and welcome back to In the Queue Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil, and I think this movie could have used a little less Toby Tucker and a little more Toby and Tucker. Toby and Tucker. T-N-T. Played by Joaquin yeah. Phoenix. In- oh, I, I thought about that every time his name was mentioned yeah, in this movie. That's how I knew it would pay off for me to do that reference. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so that's my contribution to the beginning of the show. Well, I'm your co-host Andrew, and I think that uh, all 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 of my circle of friends were duffs. <laughs> I think they were a duff collective. <laughs> Today, as Andrew alluded to, we are talking about the new film called The Duff, oh, which yeah. stars Mae Whitman. It's one of those teen comedies that I used to sort of enjoy when I was a teenager, and now feel downright embarrassed to be sitting in the theater by myself watching them oh. for this show. Were there a lot of teenage girls there and you felt strange? I felt strange. Uh, to be honest with you, I walked in a little bit late and the previews were already going. And, and I, I walked in and saw a mess of people in the, the audience and I did just immediately averted my gaze and sat down like right in front. Yeah. <laughs> so they were all behind me. Um, yeah, you did. So yeah, so we're going to talk about the Duff in just a moment. First off, I would like to tell you all about where you can find us on the web. You can go to the In the Q blog. Go to www.in-the-q. That's the letter Q. dot com. And then on our blog, you can listen to all of our shows. You can participate in discussions. You can leave requests for movies you would mm-hmm. like us to review. We love those. We eat those up with a spoon. Yeah. You can also do some of those similar things on our Facebook page. Uh, our shows are posted there as well. Again, as you know, if you use Facebook, there is a forum for comments. And we also like to post videos and other things, mostly videos, that uh, sort of add to the discussion that we are having that particular week on a certain film. Yeah, um, It's really fun to kind of pick out some choice clips off of YouTube and then post them there. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. This is all true. true. I, I can't argue with any of it. No lies here. This is a um, a spin free zone. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, then lastly, you can download our podcast on iTunes. Just look us up in the Q Q U E U E Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil, and mm-hmm. all of our shows are there. We post them all really quickly as soon as they're done, and you can subscribe, get them all delivered to you. You know how it works crazy kids it's real easy to listen to in the queue these days there's really no excuse not to no excuse no no excuse whatsoever all right so back to the film uh yeah the duff i'm gonna go ahead and uh tell you what the duff stands for i guess first off uh the please the term duff as it's outlined in the film refers to designated ugly fat friend now, this film is about uh, Mae Whitman's character, Bianca, um, who has two friends who are decidedly hot, and she is not quite as hot. Um, she basically... She, she's invisible, as she says. She has a very melodramatic um, sort of opinion of, of her self-worth, I guess. Uh, mm. She discovers that she has been labeled the duff um, in terms of her relationship to her prettier friends. 
Um, it is a jock guy named uh, Wesley. Yep. Who, Who's also her neighbor. That's right. They're neighbors. Uh, Childhood acquaintance. They've known each other for a long time. And he tells her at a party that she's the Duff. And as some of you may be wondering, when you first hear about the name of this movie and what it means, Bianca is neither fat or ugly by any stretch of the imagination. It's true. So it's a little bit misleading, but then the uh, Wesley who acts as the exposition at, at that scene, he basically says, oh, you don't take it literally. It, it could mean, you know, it could mean virtually anything. Yeah. You don't have to be fat. You don't have to be ugly. It basically just means the person that a group keeps around in order to make themselves look better. Yeah. Right. So basically, Bianca is outraged about this. Uh, mm-hmm. She is a very tenacious woman. Um, she... Uh, writes for the school newspaper, which factors into the plot later. And uh, she decides that she is going to totally upend this social pecking order and and prove that um, that we're all duffs, basically. Uh, yes. And in, in the case of, of your situation, Andrew, uh, back in high school, would you, would yeah. you say that was fairly, like, accurate uh, well, description? by the time we get, you know, to the end of this film, as you've kind of alluded to, uh, Duff has taken on a very broad sort of meaning mm-hmm. and it essentially just means quirky, eccentric, weird, your own person. Yeah. So in that sense, yes, that's exactly what I mean. We were a Duff collective. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess there are Duffs and there are not Duffs. There are, t- there are two kinds of people in the world. I guess so. Yeah. So this movie, it's one of those movies, it reminded me of the to-do list in some ways, which is a movie that Mm. we reviewed last year. It's one of those high school movies that stars, uh, a sort of popular comedic actor who is way, way older than the character they are (laughs) portraying. Um, uh, Mae Whitman is, is in her late twenties, mid to late twenties right now. And, and she's great. I mean, she is, she's wonderful in this movie. She really she, is. She has, she has a, it's a great comic performance. And the fact that she has more experience as an actor and a person, I think, is really what enables her to turn in a very good performance in this film. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And she's, she's, got, she's got comic chops. I mean, she's naturally com- comedically gifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really, you know, puts, she leans into it in this role, I think. I think she really leans into her own. Uh, sort of idiosyncrasies and her ability to well, what I would even call a mastery of sort of comic timing and mm-hmm. uh, sort of nuance. Yeah, uh, it's just a shame that the material <laughs> is is just you know the material doesn't rise to the performances. And I w- I will say performances uh-huh. because I also think that the the male lead in this film played by Robbie Amell Wesley is the name of the character as you alluded to Mm -hmm. I think he's great yeah as well I think he's extremely charismatic and fun and also very funny Mm -hmm. Um, obviously very handsome and attractive Um, oh yeah had to go there pretty much out there well I mean well (laughs) we can we can get into a conversation about you you know what what that means in sort of the you know 
gender switching uh, and objectification and all that kind of stuff. Although it's not really. I mean, <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Did you like the scene when he was uh, bouncing his pecs as he was talking to Bianca? Well, that's exactly what I was talking yeah. about. It's like that whole like that that's okay well he's he's yes for for society but i was thinking that this guy robbie amell is probably going to be pretty popular with the ladies if he hasn't already because he does have in a way the best of both worlds that a lot of women are looking for and that he's he's ripped he's toned and athletic and he's handsome and he's also got a really good sense of humor and knows how to laugh at himself he does he does and he's 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 gotten that sort of very easy charisma about him Mm -hmm. that uh, not a lot of people who get sort of ushered into this like pretty boy role in Hollywood, you know, this like sort of niche, this pigeonhole that they fill. Yeah. Like uh, they don't often have this sort of level of natural charisma that he does. But I think he's actually tremendously charismatic. And strangely enough, the two of them tr- sort of transcend the material itself. Yeah. Um, they they do have some kind of chemistry. I mean, I, I, the chemistry wasn't like dripping off of them like it is with some pairings no, yeah. but 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 i got the impression that he really was into her um as a friend that's what i mean as a friend yeah he he really wants <laughs> to be her friend <clears throat> yeah that's all that's all that's gonna happen um but you know interestingly i i kind of alluded to this earlier that it's one of those movies where you've got a, a person who to is an like in their 30s sometimes playing a high school student and, yeah, I, and yeah. I always feel that movies like that seem to represent like a fantasy that a lot of creative people have that they wish that they could relive their high school years um, mm-hmm. already having the wisdom that they that they get with more life experience. Like right. you, yeah. you see it in other movies, too, like with that, with that Drew Barrymore movie where she like went back to high school. Never been kissed. Yeah, that one. It's like yeah. these, these yeah. stories seem to stem from the fact that there there needs to be some healing in in somebody's you know past basically they they right. they they write these stories so that they can relive you know some kind of previous life that they had and 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 it didn't quite work out and they try and and repair it um so, so there's an interesting sort of genre it seems or subgenre of movies that kind of follow this mode um, yeah, but I find it kind of ironic, or or at least funny, that in movies like this, the 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 quality that the the protagonist most wants to change is usually something really superficial. It's like they yeah. they want to be cool or or hot or popular, or they want to have more sex. It's like really, I mean, that's kind of what you wish you could have done with your added knowledge, like. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm above that. I mean, yeah, oh, definitely. But, but to think that like that that kind of like superficiality is is what what the main sort of plot device is is interesting. And maybe that's because that's what sells. And these are Hollywood movies, after all. Um, but I don't know. I guess maybe we'll someday we'll see a movie about somebody who. Uh, who's a, a high school student who manages to deal with a problem of bullying or, or something maybe a little bit more pithy. Well, I think those movies are out there, but they tend to be a little bit less of, they're not comedic movies necessarily. Right. Right. I mean, there's a great movie called bully. Yeah. 
that's about that but it get, it gets real dark real fast <laughs> and it stays there yeah quite the polar opposite from the duff i take it oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah there's not there are very few laughs to be had in that film mm. um but an excellent film nevertheless i would highly recommend it uh-huh. um yeah yeah i i see what you're saying um i think that that i mean this this to my surprise, this movie was based off of a novel, a young adult novel, to be fair, but a novel nevertheless. Uh-huh. Um, there was source material for it, and it just seemed to me like such a, you know, it seems like this wouldn't be a book. This would just be another sort of teenage rom-com kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the elements are so sort of, stayed and you know the, these are things that we have have seen before we're familiar with and you know as as i've quoted many times on this show there's that great roger ebert quote it's not what a movie is about but how it's about it so mm-hmm. if a movie takes as that thing that the person wants to change is that they want to get you know the person that they're in love with or they want to have more sex or they want to change their appearance or whatever like that can be done right it can be done well mm-hmm. it can be done smartly uh it just more often than not isn't yeah. And I'm not sure that this is any exception to the rule. Although I do think that I think there's some there's something here. <laughs> there, there's something in this movie that didn't I, I didn't hate it. Like I didn't I didn't in the same way that like watching a movie like She's All That. I remember watching She's All That when it came out way back in the day with Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prinze Jr. Uh-huh. And just hating that movie so much front to back, beginning to end. I just thought it was the worst movie because it just it just cashed in on all of the stereotypes and all of the tropes without actually doing anything to earn the payoffs. You know, it just kind of, it was so by the numbers mm-hmm. and it felt so rote that it wasn't interesting to watch. But I feel like this movie, even though I could see what was coming a mile away, I still enjoyed the journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the performances by those two lead actors. You know, this movie, it doesn't have an abysmal, rating it actually it's 7.2 i mean that's higher than some kubrick movies <laughs> i mean that's and it's only going to go down of course but that's to to start off your your tenure on imdb at a 7.2 for a movie yeah. like this that's you know that's pretty good yeah and that's with 1400 users so it's not like it's you know three people have voted it up that's a fair number of people yeah i mean this the duffs have spoken basically I actually read uh, a review on Roger Ebert's website that gave it three stars out of uh, a possible four. Was it um, Matt Zoller Seitz who wrote that? It was not Matt Zoller Seitz. Uh, it was Christy Lemire. Oh. Yeah. She's she's a, a regular contributor to Roger Ebert. In case people out there don't know, Roger Ebert, of course, is no longer with us. Yeah. Uh, which is very sad, but his website has become kind of a... Uh, a, a critics collective mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. where uh, pretty much everything that comes out gets a review and it's from all of these people who were, who are prominent film critics mm-hmm. uh, out there. Matt Zoller sites being probably the most notable of those. Right. Um, but a, a great number of great Glenn Kenny is on there. Anyway, lots of great, uh, material there, but you don't get the same person reviewing every movie as you did when Roger Ebert was still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Christy Lemire gave it a three star rating. 
Yeah, I, I, um, I would owe it to Mae Whitman mostly, and and also uh, Robbie Amell, but but really, it's really it's Mae Whitman's movie. Yeah, you're like, you're in the driver's seat with her. She's in like every frame of the film, and yeah. she's really charming. And there's even a a montage in like the middle of the film that is just would have been absolute crap with <laughs> with a different actress, but it was a scene that was supposed to show. May, um, not May, Bianca sort of cutting loose and, and being sexy at the mall. And, and she, yeah, she's yeah. like making out with these mannequins and, um, and like fondling them and then taking the arm off the mannequin and having it fondle her. And, yeah, uh, it's yeah. just a totally like outrageous scene that doesn't really fit with her character, I don't think. But she still makes it really funny. And you can tell that. You know, bits like that and a lot of the other sort of snappy patter she has with her co-stars, you get the impression that that's all really fresh and that's the kind of stuff that they were probably coming up with on set. Um, yeah. And and some of that stuff I thought was a little bit too inside, like when they're when they're bantering with each other and like there's I'll give you an example. Like there's one part where they're talking about like someone having like a small penis like a midget has a small penis and oh, yeah, it, and yeah. then they kind of they jerk it off like this and then they go meow meow <laughs> and i thought like what why are they meowing like what is that that doesn't make any sense i bought it i bought because it because i just felt like it was like an inside joke between the two of them like or or that it was like that kind of thing that you do where you just like make a weird noise when you're doing something else and then it becomes a funny thing between you and a friend you know like I, I totally bought it. Okay, well then it worked. It worked on you. I mean, I I understood it as a joke between them. I just felt like I was like on the outside. I was on the outside looking in with tears in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you had the feeling that you were the duff to this movie. I was the designated unfunny fat friend who's not fat. <laughs> I guess. But um, the the duff. I guess it's. I don't know. It's not. Uh, it's not a terrible film. I mean, you really kind of know what you're what you're in for when you sit yeah. down to watch this movie, and it's based on a novel. But apparently, the novel has absolutely nothing to do with the film. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just kind of a in in name only. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's if you're a fan of high school comedies, you know, it is a, it is a genre. Then you, should, I would probably recommend you see the Duff. If not. You don't really need to see the Duff, in my opinion. If you if you happen to catch it on an airplane or something, it's worthwhile. But you know, when there's life is so busy, sometimes there's just not enough time to do everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will I will say that there's a very interesting fact about this film. It is directed by Ari Sandel, or Ari Sandel. I don't know how it's pronounced, but he won an Academy Award. Yes. Back in 2005 for directing a live action short called West Bank Story, which was about Israelis and Palestinians. But it was set up. It was a musical. It was like a mini version of West Side Story, but it set in the West Bank in Israel, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I, I just find it interesting that it, this is I mean, I guess it sort of makes sense. that This is from the same person. Yeah. But uh, but uh, times are tight, man. I mean, seriously. <laughs> let me give you a better example. You yeah. remember a film called The Killing Fields from 1984? Mm-hmm. It won mm-hmm. some major awards that year at the Oscars. Yeah. Um, he, um, then the same director 
Roland uh, Joffe followed that film with The Mission with, with yep. Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons, which won the grand prize at Cannes in 1986. Yep. Um, fast forward a decade or so, and what is Roland Joffe doing? He He's the creator and the executive producer of the MTV show Undressed, <laughs> which is just a sex comedy where they can't show any sex because it's basic cable. Right, and right. when I saw Roland Joffe's name, I was like, oh, man, what? how did this happen? Yeah. Um, so yeah. it happens. You know, sometimes directors have to compromise. Curtis Hansen directed 8 Mile. I mean, maybe it's a good movie. I haven't actually seen it. Um, and then um, the other, uh, Jim Sheridan, the Irish director who made In America, he directed the 50 Cent movie. Yeah. I mean, it's... Get rich or die trying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. I, it's just, I always find it curious. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not curious. It's just. Uh... Yeah, what's his name? Gavin Gavin Hood won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film for Sotsi. And then what's his next movie? X-Men Origins Wolverine. Interesting. <laughs> Which is regarded by many as the worst of all the X-Men movies by far. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's it's yeah. tough business. It is a tough business. Yeah. But yeah, as as you say, I mean, this movie is, uh, it's really, I mean, in in a way, it's a showcase for these two talents, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for Mae Whitman and for Robbie Amell um, to to kind of show off. And I think that they both do a, a fine job with it. I would almost recommend this <laughs> just to see the performances because I think the only place where it falls apart is when the movie fails them not the other way around that montage that you talk about in the middle of the film with may whitman mm-hmm. yeah it seems out of character yeah it seems to go on a little long it, it's sort of like clearly they had fun shooting it and they wanted to put as much of it in the movie as they possibly could mm-hmm. but where it gets silly or messy or or suddenly doesn't work is when the movie sort of misappropriates it's the like like honestly like that video as it stood wouldn't probably have had the negative impact that it did. Yeah. In, in the, you know, given how charming and fun and funny she is, you know? Right. It's, it's, uh, the, the movie doesn't rise to the, uh, the quality of its talent that's in the movie. So there you go. There's your sort of endorsement from Andrew <laughs> and then a kind of sort of endorsement from me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's that's the duff. It's not a very good month for movies, people. Um, yeah, well, we are in the we are in the zone when all of the studios are dumping their movies that they don't believe in. Yeah, uh, it's not quite summer. Awards season is over now. You know. Yeah. So that's our show. Um, stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to get back into the listener requests that we kind of put on hold for the Oscar season. This yep. is going to be a very exciting episode. I hope you can all listen to this one. We're gonna oh, we're yeah. gonna talk about. The classic horror film entitled Pieces. Pieces. And we're going to have um, Corey on the show who requested the film. And uh, it's going to be a good episode. So stay tuned for that one. Definitely. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.